0: Welcome to another episode of the One for You podcast. The leaves are yellowing and it always seems like it's about to rain. That can mean only one thing. Fall is here and with it, the Zurich Film Festival. As the film lovers that we are, we could of course not bypass this opportunity, so we went to see all the films, or at least like a great portion of them, or maybe you know the ones that sounded interesting or maybe the ones that were on when we didn't have anything else on. I don't know, your mileage may vary. I don't want to judge. <laughs>
1: What a hell
0: of hedges. I mean, I don't know how your festival was, so I will just like, you know, I cover all the bases. Um, Anyway, we're here now to discuss some of the most interesting movies that we've seen, so you know what to watch in cinemas in a few months, or maybe a few years' time, or maybe tomorrow, I don't know, depends on the movies. Um, My name is Olivia Cunameo, and as is tradition, I am joined by three guests for this episode. Uh, with me today are Manzi Tibari, you've already heard her, hi Manzi, Astrid Abasi. Hi. and Alan Mutley. Hello. Thank you all for joining me. So, general impressions of the festival. Did you like it, did you not like it, were you not that bothered?
2: I mean, it's the same every year, isn't it?
0: <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> I guess that's
0: one way of looking at it. Let's talk like this year. Sorry? I went to see, less I went chocolate to see movies. this year. <laughs> okay, you went to see movies. I didn't hear Mansi. Why is everybody talking over Mansi? What
1: did you say, Mansi? Uh, I said there was less chocolate this year. Chocolate? That oh, is true. Yes.
0: There was that no was swag. That's away. true. Mm. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm just like, part, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, there's swag. I had no idea there was swag.
2: Everyone
0: yes. Was the swag. You've never gotten swag. Yeah, mm-hmm. well. What can you say? Um, you, you, know you need to know how backpack. to do the festival.
2: <laughs> yeah, my Zurich Film Festival backpack is starting to disintegrate. They should, you know, give Replaces. me something new. <laughs>
0: give you a new one, yes. Okay, so um, this uh, festival, like, last time, actually, like, the Zurich Film Festival hasn't skipped any um, edition, so it was in person last time, and this time it was also all in person, except you had to have, like, a COVID certificate where you were like, I am either vaccinated uh or tested or I've had COVID and then therefore immune now. Anyway, so and you everybody. And you didn't even have to wear masks, though I wore masks, because it's very strange to sit in a room with strangers like right next to you and you're like, did we used to do this? I don't know. It feels uncomfortable.
1: I forgot about people eating in cinemas. It was very loud. I was like, well okay, I'm one of the persons who does enjoy and partake in snacks, but <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this anymore. It's so loud. <laughs> My experience <laughs> was disrupted many times.
0: Yes, right.
2: Strange. I was. I thought it was so funny when I went to see uh, "Memoria" by uh, Apichatpong Setakul who is like ma- known for making like the quietest movies ever. And it was a full cosmos um, <laughs> cinema, and you just had a line of people all with popcorn, and I'm like this is going to be very awkward for you to eat those and then like at the first scene you heard people like uh fishing around in their popcorn things and then as the movie progressed it just got quieter and quieter and then sometimes like when you heard when you hear a babbling brook in the background of the movie you heard some people quickly going
0: Very good. Okay, so uh, so uh, weird cinema experiences aside, um, I think we also had some interesting movies that we saw. I mean, they say interesting. They might also just be bad, but still interesting. I don't know. That's. I think that's the conclusion we came to last time when we talked about the Locarno Film Festival, right? We had lots of movies that we talked about where we were like a little bit, mm, we didn't like it, but we had a lot of this to discuss about it, no? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay, let's see what what movies you brought this time. Um, let's start with Astrid. What's your movie that you want to talk about? And why do you want to talk about it? And what is it? And tell us
3: about it. The movie that I watched, it was one of two movies that I saw this year, because I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is uh, The Man Who Sold His Skin. Uh, actually came out last year from uh, what I can tell, like at least it had its first showing last year at the uh, Venice Film Festival. Um, It's directed by, uh, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Kauter Ben-Hania is a um, Tunisian female director. Um, This is her, I think this is her third or fourth full, feature film and um, it is based on a true story by uh, well no it is based on the true story of the uh, the living art piece Tim by uh, Vim Delvoye a, a Belgian uh, artist and for a little bit of context Tim is actually a former um, tattoo parlor owner of from Zurich, so it's fitting. <laughs> who uh, basically um, sold his skin to Delvoye uh, to put an art piece on it, and now he—I uh, have no idea what the legal ramifications are—but basically, <laughs> Tim has to go from one um, museum to the other and just sit there so people can look at his back with the tattoo and um, uh, uh, Ben Hania who uh, directed it, also wrote the, the, um, the script for the movie, basically took it as inspiration to talk about immigration, uh, because what happens in the movie is you have um, uh, Sam Ali, played by uh, Yahya Mahaini and um, Abir, played by uh, Dea Lian, um who are living in uh, Syria during the Syrian civil war. And uh, they want to get married. They can't because Sam has to flee. He flees to uh, Lebanon. Uh, In the meantime, uh, his fiancée, Abir, goes to uh, Brussels because she's married a different man. And he tries to get to her. Uh so in Lebanon he meets this this artist um Geoffrey Godefroy uh played by um played by Belgian actor Coen de, Coen de Beau um who is basically inspired by um by Delvoye he asks Sam whether he wants to sell his skin to him Um, so he can basically travel as an art piece. He cannot travel as a human because he's a refugee from Syria. So in a very um, (laughs) in-your-face way, uh, uh, Godefroy um, tattoos a visa on his back. So now he can travel, and I think anything beyond that would be venturing into spoiler territory.
0: Okay, and like, so did you like it then? <laughs> or like, <laughs> I can't really tell from this.
3: Um, yes, I liked it a lot. Uh, as I said, it was one of two movies that I, so I wanted to watch a third one, but I had to work, so I um, couldn't see that. And uh, I liked it a lot. It has a lot of uh, weird tonal shifts, I have to say. Um that it somehow pulls off uh but it is very entertaining it has also like the, the entire social commentary that uh she brought into this story that is inspired by a real life story like the 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 movement of uh, of humans uh versus the movement of art and commodities um it's very interesting it uh, it made me think so i liked it for that alone and the the um, main character uh, Sam, played by Yahya Mahaini, is extremely charismatic, very funny, very uh, energetic performance. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, I think, I think in some parts it's a little bit, almost a little bit campy, uh, which could uh, put people off. But overall, I think I would recommend it.
0: I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know that Alan has seen it. Do you agree with us, to it? <laughs> Did you also like it or like?
2: No. I mean, I thought it was, no, I thought it was mediocre. I, I no, but like I came, I came into it with high-ish hopes because um, I've seen one previous movie by Kauter ben Hanya, um Beauty and the Dogs, which I absolutely loved. Um, and what she did well there, I think she also does well in The Man Who Sold His Skin. So it's a very beautifully shot movie. It's very well directed in the sense that like literal direction where you have the blocking of scenes, for example, because she works a lot with uh, mirror images and tricking you into thinking a, a, a space looks different than it act, or a space is different than it actually than it actually is. As I said, via mirror images or um Stuff she does with perspective, and also like the different lenses she uses. So I liked all of that, but to me, ultimately, the movie never quite got beyond its its metaphor. So, like the metaphor itself, I find like Astrid, I find very powerful. Maybe a little on the nose, but you know, like like most cinematic metaphors are on the nose. So I will, I that's not my quibble with it. But I think it never kind of it kind of never goes beyond the point of saying. We dehumanize refugees, and isn't it ironic that we give uh, more care and more attention uh, to pieces of art than to actual living, uh, breathing human human beings? Which, again, is a good way of thinking about something like the refugee, uh, the whole refugee issue. But then I feel like the movie for most of its runtime just kind of stops there and treads water a little bit. And then, you know, the actual like plot developments, which Astrid said, we're not going to go into spoiler territory there. I agree to a certain extent with the camp comment, but it didn't like really work for me. Like a lot of that felt like well-trodden ground for me. So ultimately I was kind of waiting to see what it where it takes its intriguing premise and I don't think it takes it anywhere particularly noteworthy and given that it is such a potentially caustic premise and like kind of provocative and subversive um it then also ends up in a weirdly I don't know weirdly conciliatory place I don't want to spoil anything, but it also at the end it feels like um okay, we kind of we kind of circumnavigated the uh most terrible um the most terrible ramifications this whole scenario could have had uh so now we've all learned something, and I found that to be a little a little disappointing. I didn't hate the movie, um but given the two Ben Hanya movies I saw. I definitely prefer Beauty and the Dogs, but I would not dis- discourage anyone from seeing this one.
1: Do you feel like this is a film that adds to like the art market discourse that The Square started?
2: <sighs> I hate The Square. So <laughs> I know, I am... you, me too.
1: <laughs> no, so... I'm just curious. Does it do something similar, do you feel?
2: It's funny because like on the Maximum Cinema podcast we recorded earlier today we talked about exactly that because Lola who is part of our group is very into like the art market and like working for art Basel and everything and she said that it yeah it's pretty it's a pretty faithful representation of <laughs> uh, of the art market so I'm not going to quibble with that so yeah I guess it's um y- you can add you can definitely add it to the canon of movies uh who by not exaggerating things too uh, too much make a satirical point about the art market i guess i guess that's fair
3: i thought that 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 part of the movie didn't really interest me at all yeah i think uh, so i feel like it's been reduced to that a little bit um and i do degree i can understand why you feel that it's well trodden ground on the other hand i feel like it does way more stuff with uh with this entire refugee problem uh problem and the the perception of uh refugees in the public and just sort of like the forces that tug at them as sort of like this Political landscape because you have obviously have the art part and you have these activists that are trying to uh, to make use of uh, the the situation of uh, of uh, Sam and it's I think that part is more compelling to me than the entire art industry satire but I can I can see why why you expected more of it Uh, and yes as To some degree, I agree that it basically presents you its premise in the very first half hour, and then you're just sort of like watching it move along. It's entertaining, though, so that's why I like it. (laughs) I will give the movie that. Like
2: uh, in a year in which uh, a movie like *Titan* comes out, it's still the man who sold his skin with the single most disgusting frame of the entire year when they popped that fucking zit <laughs> on his back.
0: <laughs> okay, that sounds really gross. I have no yeah, idea what a, you're talking about, but now is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> on that highbrow note. <laughs> The man who sold the skin. Do you guys know when it's going to be released here in Switzerland? Next week. Okay, so next week. If you, if that <laughs> like if you want to see a zit popped, maybe go check that out next week. <laughs> oh, so Astrid, what's the other movie that you saw at the film festival?
3: Uh, the other movie that I saw was uh, Blue Bayou. Um, it's about this uh, this uh, Korean adoptee who now has his c- citizenship no not he has he doesn't have his citizenship revoked but he finds out that he was never really a legal citizen uh in mm. in in the u.s okay. and then that puts things into motion
0: <laughs> yes i see i see a topic emerging in your uh, yes movie uh, viewing uh, uh, yes
3: Great trend based
0: on two data points. <laughs> yes! I mean, 100% of the data suggests this, so...
3: <laughs> correlation
2: of one. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so, Munzi, what is the movie that you brought for us?
1: A funny, funnily enough, it actually plays into that trend also. So, three data points. Um, it's Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon by Annalily Amirpour. And it also premiered at uh, Venice. And it is also about a Korean immigrant. But I think it is a very, very different film from Blue <laughs> <laughs> it, Um So it's it's with Jun Jung Soo, or Rachel Sun, who plays a girl who was locked in a psych ward for 12 years. And she escapes and she wanders around New Orleans against the backdrop of, like, funky electropop. And maybe there's revenge evolved. And maybe it's just... A very, very aesthetic, musical, fantastical, kitschy experience. Um, Yeah, no spoilers. So that's all I will say. Oh, I mean, you can
0: say that there's a supernatural element that happens in the first five minutes. That's not a spoiler.
1: No, it's a spoiler. (laughs) It's not a spoiler. (laughs) No, it's... So let us say that this escapee...
0: (laughs) That's not a spoiler. Has
1: certain... (laughs) Capacities to manipulate other people, which helps her escape in the first place, and also kind of plays into some of the the gore, maybe. Um, yeah, so that's Mona Lisa. She is supported by Kate Hudson, who plays a stripper who picks her up, and Ed Green, who is a potential drug dealer boyfriend situation. Um, all I can say is I had the best time. I did not expect to enjoy this much. But the movie opens on a swamp with some funky music. Mm -hmm. And I knew I would be enchanted all the way through. And I was. And I see your face with its little (laughs) frowny eyebrows. But I insist that it was a bold film. It was painted in such bold strokes. And while I think it might not be a perfect film, it does so many things that are enjoyable and interesting and... Simply choices, which I respect deeply.
0: Mm. I mean, I agree with you. Like, the opening scene, you go on the bayou, and then, I don't know, it's like, it's, I think it's a song about Mona Lisa or something, like, this song, and you're like, and there's like, really these intense greens and blues, and you're like, yes, it's happening. I like where this is going, but then it doesn't go anywhere. It, to me, it felt like it was a mo- it was like a playlist with some nice images, is what it felt like to me. So that they have, like cool ideas, but it doesn't it doesn't build to anything.
1: Yeah. I think it doesn't have to. I think it's 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 a very loose story at the expense like it's kind of trades off some of its visuals for storytelling, so you've got a bit of like cut outy characters, you've got you're playing with types more than personalities, I suppose. Um, and, you know, if you want to think about it in, like, broader terms, yes, it's also about immigration. And, yes, it is also about, you know, being empowered. Um, but ultimately, it's also just a fun, like, it's, it's, it felt like a full meal of snacks, you know, very, very nasty snacks. <laughs> and you eat them all and you feel really, really good because they are so flavorful. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe it was not nutritious, <laughs> but it was still so much fun. Hmm. And fun fact, fun fact. So this might have also exper- like affected my experience. Yes. Um, the director showed up after the screening, oh. but she brought her dog, <laughs> which shattered my heart into so many pieces. And then the dog walked by me and I petted, it. I petted Benji. And so I felt like I just spiritually experienced the happiest moment of my life. <laughs>
0: Okay, so and that is my
1: recommendation for Mona Lisa. Yeah,
0: maybe take Monty's review with a grain of salt because there is a dog involved. So I don't know if we can, you know, counter a sound. sound mind
3: in that instance. But yes. <laughs>
0: I feel like that
3: improves every movie.
0: So um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I do have to say though, like what I thought was an issue. I, like I mean, we we have I think the same. We see it in the same way, but like it it brought up like different reactions in us because I felt like the thing with Mona Lisa, or, like the main character, is that she's extremely passive, and that makes that makes the movie less compelling. I feel, and it felt very like. <sighs> like cool and like funky in a way that was a bit forced you know like hey guys we're being cool and funky and look at all the images that we have here and like the music that we're playing and yeah although I do have to say that because afterwards like I went to check out the music and without the images the music doesn't work so well so I think it's a it's a powerful combination of the visual and like the music, but like overall, it, this movie sort of left me cold, and I think I preferred the um, girl who walks home alone at night, which the other, which is the other of her movies that I've seen. So
1: yeah, hmm. so I do think that <laughs> depending on how much, I mean, if the if the thing is, this character is kind of you're right, she's led around the city sort of by this host of characters who are very very shady, um, but it it does feel. As a sort of a comment on, you know, how much agency sometimes you have in systems where you don't fully understand what's going on. And I mean, she does kind of touch upon the issue of of non-English speaking immigrants. And I do think that depending on how much, I guess, you're willing to let that slide, it does work to have her as just a sort of focalizer to see this whole story through. Yeah,
0: I mean, I see like why they might make that choice. I just don't think it makes for a compelling movie. No, it's super compelling. This is hard. Disagree. disagree. Disagree with that one.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I think, like, like as um, we discussed already in the Locarno episode, I really value things that make a lot of bold choices rather than mediocre ones. And this is one of those films where I see that this person had a lot on her mind and coming up yeah, with it. And but, I really, I mean, in
0: some it. ways, it's a lot like a girl walks home alone at night. You know, this idea. Do you have this almost? I, Um, mute female character who's walking through the night and she encounters you know people and it's a comment on society and like she has maybe some supernatural powers so it's in some ways very similar and yes yes so you know like no development but I would like something maybe different that's I mean that was my issue (laughs) I don't
3: know (laughs)
0: Yeah, like, I don't know, Astrid or uh, Alan, have you seen, like, any of her movies?
2: I've seen A Girl who Walks Home Alone at Night. And my issues with that movie, which I think is fine, uh, pretty much reflects what you, say, uh, what you say about Mona Lisa. So I am curious to uh, to watch Mona Lisa if and when it comes out.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, I guess Manzi and I, we saw the same movie and we have... Uh, diametrically opposed we're diametrically opposed foes <laughs> no no I don't, it does not surprise <laughs> me but <laughs> no okay <Whoa>. so that's <laughs> Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon right Um yes. definitely one for Munzi not necessarily one for me okay um, that brings us to the next movie Alan
2: yes let's talk about
0: porn <laughs> Hooray! <clears throat> We're t- uh, uh, just like FYI, the, the the rest of the podcast will be talking about porn. So if that's not your thing, you can you can leave now. Come back next time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm, I'm really impressed by this bold new thematic direction the Zurich Film Festival has been going.
0: In. <laughs> well, hashtag Let's explore. Except it's exactly. let's explore. Get it? Get it? <laughs> it's a visual pun. It doesn't really work when you say it. <laughs>
2: I hope the intern who came up with that got a nice bonus. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so my pick is uh, Red Rocket, directed by Sean Baker, who previously directed uh, reasonably well-known films such as The Florida Project and Tangerine. Uh, And Red Rocket is, uh, as the person who introduced the movie, uh, explained uh, another stab by... um, Baker and his co-writer Chris Burgock at uh, exploring the uh, sex industry in the United States through uh, a comedy slash social realism lens and in Red Rocket this consists of um, a down-on-his-luck porn star played by the delightful Simon Rex uh, coming back to his native um, industrial Texas town. Uh, He's homeless broke uh moves in with his not quite ex-wife yet and her mother and he scouts uh a not quite 18-year-old uh donut store employee uh, and wants to uh seduce her into becoming a porn star and there's also other um shaggy dog shenanigans happening cl- uh, uh, on the way and also he rides around on his bike a lot which i thought was hilarious mm-hmm. um but yeah, uh, what did I think of the movie? I thought it was it was quite a bold combination of like social commentary, uh, not just about like the sex industry, but just generally like post-industrial America. So it's set in the summer of 2016. So the presidential race is kind of a a background noise. Um, but then it's also just. Or I felt at least that it was super funny in partially by, uh, through the way it was written, but also through the way it was staged. So I was very impressed by how um, by how Sean Baker uses uh, cuts or zooms or uh, the way just people relate to each other within the within the frame. How that just generates absurd uh moments of comedy like there is one scene towards the end of the movie where nobody says anything but it's just like one of the funniest things uh one of the funniest scenes i've seen this year because it's like it just kind of hits that sweet spot of awkward comedy that i keep seeing judd apatow try and fail to uh to pull <laughs> off and it was so gratifying to see somebody else actually making that work uh but yeah i mean that's Pretty much my elevator pitch on the movie. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting in how it deals with post-industrial America, but it's also, but it's also absurdly funny.
0: While I mean, doing that, this movie is insane, and I loved it. Like, it starts <laughs> off with like him in in this bus, and he's sort of sleeping because he's on his way back home. And then you have a needle drop, and then it starts with a Backstreet Boys, and I was like, I am in for this movie. <laughs> and I think like um, so. You talked about the direction, but I also think like Simon Rex.
2: Oh, he's yeah, absolutely.
0: amazing in this movie. Yes. He is so brilliant. He is funny. He's, like, awkwardly funny. But he also has this sort of, like, charm where you see, like, how he... Because he's, like, it's about the hustle, right? So whatever. He's he's trying to sort of... He's trying to find a job. Nobody wants to hire him because he was a porn star for 20 years. So they're like, mm, maybe don't come work in our restaurant. You're
2: overqualified.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> So he basically, like, it's about him trying to survive in whatever way possible. And you can see, and he's, like, full of energy and he's a fast talker. And he's, like, he's a huckster, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And he, But he does it so well. But then there's also this dark side, because I didn't really know what the movie was about. But as you say, then he suddenly has his eye on, like, this teenager and is like, she's my ticket back into the porn industry. And then... He starts, like, grooming her, and you're like, ah, this movie gets dark! And it's just... It makes you feel so uncomfortable at times without, like, being, like, super... It's not, like, graphic or, you know... I mean, terrible things still do happen, but it's just, like, this awkwardness because first you're sort of, like, maybe, uh, you know, uh, on his side, and you're like, yeah, I hope you can, you know, you'll survive, you'll you'll make something of it, and then this happens, and you're like, "Mm, I hope... Something terrible happens to you, you know, like, so you're pushed and pulled between like feeling sympathy for him and then also, um, disliking him extremely. And it was very funny because I watched it with, um, Andre Erdin, formerly of this podcast. And then, you know, it was always like, we <laughs> were like, just like putting our hands to our eyes, like, oh my God, no, what is happening? <laughs> but it was not, not, it's like, it's not like a thriller or a horror movie, but it's just so awkward in a way and like not great what's happening, but, it's a very entertaining movie, even yes. with all the social commentary behind it, <laughs> that mm-hmm. is definitely there. Like you said, the the election is background noise and it's literally background noise because they're all the time, they're watching the television and there's talk going on and like, you know, Trump about like, oh, how he's for, I don't know, the heartland or whatever, you know, words to that effect. But it's not... But you can also see, like, sort of the comment in the way that it's not that this isn't relevant to their lives because mm-hmm. yeah. it's not going to change anything for them. Whoever wins this election, yeah. So I think that's sort of in there. But it's really, it's a really, really good movie. Can yes. only recommend.
3: My first impression from the way you guys just talked about it now—it sounds like it's almost making light of what is happening. The way it ridicules it, but. It also no. feels like it tells the line.
0: It's. I don't think it's making light of anything. It's just that's how it starts off and then you're in it and then you're like, wait, what? This is going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it takes it seriously because it's, uh, I don't think the movie, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make fun of it, doesn't make light of it, doesn't condone,
2: I think. Yeah. I think it's a movie that is very much trusts the audience that it will go in with a functioning moral compass. I mean, definitely. <laughs> people will definitely be annoying about this movie and be like, this movie does X, Y, and Z stuff that is uh, like toxic or bad or blah. But uh, I think that's just bad media literacy.
0: Yes. Also xyz is what you meant to say right <laughs> i have strong oh, opinions God. on this i mean <laughs> on the style sheet for the podcast i mean X-Y-Z. yes but also
2: isn't your like isn't your english also american
0: yeah but that's a dumb thing to do so i have decided not to adopt that
2: <laughs> i mean fair enough i usually Sorry. also don't do it but right now like we're talking about texas and everything we are like so i'm all in <laughs> yeah Y'all, I'm sorry. (laughs) I am very sorry. I'm never going to say that again. (laughs)
0: Yes. Uh, Red Rocket, a really good movie. Go check that out when you have the chance. Do you know when that's released?
2: I don't think it has a release date date in uh, in at least German-speaking Switzerland. But I would expect it to be out in like spring or something. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Go watch that. Okay, so now for our second helping of stories about porn. Um, It's Pleasure, which is a Swedish movie by um, director Nina Tiberg. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, It's her first feature-length movie, and it's sort of based actually on a short that um, she did previously, And she wrote it together with Peter Modesti and basically tells the story of 20 year old Linnea, who moves from Sweden to L.A. to become a porn star. And under the name Bella Cherry, she begins shooting movies, but she soon realizes that in order to actually, you know, become a proper star, she will need to cross um, many of her own boundaries, both like physical and mental. And that's basically the story of this movie um yeah so it's sort of um an engagement with the porn industry in a way um well not in a way yes that's what it is and it's basically going about this in an interesting way because she doesn't become a porn star because she has to or because she has a drug habit or because like she's groomed by someone um but she's she specifically comes from sweden to la and she's like i want to be a porn star so in a way this is like the typical um hollywood story you know moving to la to become a star except this is not about like mansion movies this is about porn movies and the movie then sort of explores like how this idea of you know her being empowered because she chooses this and you know um she sort of And the whole industry presents itself as like, yeah, yeah, you're You're okay with this, right? Just tell us if something's wrong and blah, 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 blah. How this then basically it interrogates all of these claims of like consent and empowerment and and care that um, the industry makes. Um, And it basically, how do you say this? Yeah, it sort of is about like how... I mean, the director writer-director clearly has a very clear uh, point to make about the porn industry and um, how all the porn that is ultimately shot in this movie, and I guess that she's trying to say, like, all porn is ultimately about debasing women and um, that there is no, like, sort of properly ethical production of porn. I guess it's the point that the movie is trying to make and see it, it's sort of trying to interrogate how... You know you, how uh, Bella Cherry moves from being exploited to maybe becoming an exploiter herself, and like w- in what effect this is. And it's shot in an interesting way because, um, so you see naked people obviously, but women are topless at times, um, but you don't see anything else, but you see like lots of penises, so many penises I've never seen in a movie, and then. But there's this interesting equation at times between the camera and the penis because the camera that is in the movie that is being used to shoot the porn movie is on the height of the penis, you know? So it's like this equation of like this thing that is intruding on this young woman. And I thought this was interesting and it was a very... This movie was really upsetting to watch because terrible things happen. And uh, I was unprepared for this, and I was pretty shaken actually for for a while after that. And then I had to text Ella, and I was like, "Ah, "This movie is," ah!" and then I saw a monk like on the street, and I was like, "Maybe we should all become monks." (laughs) Mm. But it was really like it also made you think about like. What happens to the consumer of porn? I mean, this movie is about, like, what the actor's point of view, but I think it also brings up questions of, like, what people demand from porn because they talk about, like, oh, what's the most radical thing you can do in porn? Interracial sex, you know, like, these kinds of things. So I thought it was a, a, an interesting movie. I mean, a, in a way, telling a very typical story, but also very upsetting. Cool. Yes, so
1: <laughs> monologue over. hard. <laughs> did you see any others in the section?
0: Um, yeah, I saw the... So yeah, the section is the let's explore thing. Um, and I saw a explanation which was very, very mild and superficial, which is about this American dude trying to figure out um, uh, how one should do sex ed. Because apparently there is no such thing in America. And it was about, you know, like... If you're not an American, you probably know these things already. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> so it's very. Did you feel it
1: was a, a cool like addition to the festival program, or
0: overall? I mean, I
1: think it's interesting.
0: Um, I mean, I, ha- I have to say, I left um, after this explanation. That the the director was there, so I didn't. Get to hear sort of what he had to say about his movie, though I think like what he has to say comes across very well because it's like the movie's also about him and he even talks to his parents and so on in that. So I don't feel like, but I just, what I meant to say is like, there's sort of, yeah, there's like the, uh, the, the, the discussions were lacking, but I think sometimes there might have been discussions just not when I was there or something, you know, like. Uh, it just throws the movies at you and then that's it also throws condoms at you like you get condoms <laughs> when you go watch these movies so yeah but you know no like proper uh engagement beyond that i felt so
2: oh i also saw one from the uh from the category i mean i've previously saw, uh, seen it uh radu jude's delightful bad luck banging or loony porn mm. wh- oh my god which i really does,
1: want to see that it I don't know.
2: If, I think yeah. I think I'm the. I, I think I might be like the only one in my circle who like genuinely likes this movie. <laughs> um But it's a we. It it's a weird pick for the let's explore category because yes, it is about like a sex tape and it is about sex and attitudes towards sex. But that's ultimately mainly a conduit to talk about neo-fascist ideology in uh, contemporary Romania. So. Uh mm-hmm. but it's I great. Would, it's like what what is, a, it's, it's one of my favorite movies of the year, so
0: Okay. I mean, fair enough. Interesting combo.
2: Also a lot of penises in that one.
0: Hooray. <laughs> By the way, Pleasure uh is gonna be released in Switzerland in January, so if you wanna ring in the new year with something upsetting, why not try pleasure? <laughs> um yes. Uh do you have any other movies that you wanna give a shout out or something.
3: I just need to know if time is worth watching. This I think it's a Hong Kong movie about old assassins that I missed because I had to work, but I had tickets. It sounded very funny, I had a very funny trailer. I have no idea if it's any good. <laughs> and it's been bugging me for the last week or so. <laughs> I've heard good things about it. Oh man. <laughs> Why did I ask? <laughs>
0: I mean, you got nobody to (laughs) else blame but yourself. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I guess in that case, that was it for this episode of the One For You podcast. Manzi Tivari, Astrid Abasi, Alan Matli, thank you so much for joining me. Um, In the next episode, we'll be talking about the French dispatch and goodbye Lenin. To keep up to date with the podcast, in the meantime, follow us on social media where we're at one for you pod. Hear you next time. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: bye. bye.